0: And welcome to a new episode of PR 360. And I'm your host, Brett Dice. If you could please subscribe to PR 360 on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Leave a review. It really does help with rankings and let us know how we're doing. But this week, I have Bonnie Caver with me. And she is, she's part of actually the Reputation Lighthouse and is recognized as a really great person to talk about corporate reputations and helping with companies with that, with startups and privately held organizations and publicly traded organizations. She also focuses on helping protect your brand, which I think is a really good thing nowadays, since a lot of people are like, I don't know what to do with this situation. So it's a really good thing that we have her. So welcome to the show, Bonnie.
1: Thanks, Brett. I love being here today. Thank you for inviting me.
0: You're welcome. And my first question is all my guests is are you a coffee or tea drinker?
1: That's a hard one for me because neither. I'm a cold caffeine drinker, so I get a Diet Coke every morning.
0: Ah, so you actually might like cold brew coffee.
1: When I started drinking Diet Coke, there weren't many cold brew coffees, so I'm late to the game.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it became really popular, I think, like two or three years ago. So it hasn't been around as often as you think it has. So I get it. You're late to the party, but who is it late to the party every once in a while? (laughs) Anyways, moving on. And can you just give us a little bit more information or our listeners a little bit more information about your expertise in the field? Sure.
1: So my company focuses on helping organizations create, accelerate, transform, and protect their brands. But where I come in is I'm really looking at helping companies change and transform. So around M&A, certainly we've had a lot of transformation around COVID the companies that are going into new markets, changing their customer base, changing their employee base, alignment, rapid growth. What we find is change is one of the biggest reputational risks an organization goes through. And certainly today we're surfing an avalanche of change.
0: Gotcha. And that kind of leads into my next question about brand reputation has changed over the decades. And what are some of the biggest things brand must understand about maintaining a good reputation to their prospective customers?
1: When I first started in reputation, I, I came through the, the PR and the strategic comms and the crisis management side of things. And when that's where reputation was, you were in this crisis management and issues management and reputation management. Reputation is really involved to be a lot more proactive of where can we go How can we own our reputation? And there's some things that I kind of think there's four essential areas that organizations and leaders should think about reputation. One is they need to know what influences a reputation. And from that perspective, RepTrack, which measures reputation, says there's seven dimensions and that's your products, which we call table stakes. Your products and services, if they're not good, you're not in the reputation game, so get your products and services good. Then you can start talking about reputation. The other things are governance, citizenship, performance, innovation, leadership, and workplace. So once we understand what influences our reputation, then we have this opportunity to understand that it it impacts our bottom line and that it really isn't a one and done thing. And then finally we look at it as who owns it and we like to help organizations Create a reputation team structure, and as PR people and communications people, we believe that that's who should lead the reputation team. But also, we've got our governance people, we've got our products and services, like our Coo, we've got the head of corporate social responsibility, and then also the CEO. And depending on where we are with workplace and if the workplace really needs to be a part of this because it is something that guides us in reputations, whether the chief people officer is involved.
0: Gotcha. With that, is it a lot more difficult now to weigh in those, let's say societal topics that seem to be murky, but businesses sometimes go into and be like, we stand against this. Is that advised a lot of times, or should you wait and see and not really talk about it as much from a reputation standpoint?
1: I think that really depends on your company's brand. You shouldn't talk just to be talking. We always ask companies, how does this align to your brand and how does it align to your stakeholders? And you should really look inside your house first before taking a stance. I believe when we look back at this last year, there have been some very difficult lessons that organizations have jumped into. They jumped into Black Lives Matter. They jumped into Me Too, those conversations, which all of us wanted to be a part of. But when you had an all white male executive team and an all white male board, when you jumped into a conversation where you really weren't ready as an organization to jump into that conversation, it was hard on your reputation. I remember early on maybe February 2020, listening to a DE&I consultant say that they were seeing statements coming out that seemed like Whitney Houston and Michael Jackson lyrics, because they really weren't authentic to where organizations were. Organizations just felt like they needed to say something. But reality is words really matter. And when our words are hollow, it's best just to keep quiet externally. But that doesn't mean that we really can't have the conversation internally and begin to make changes from the inside out.
0: And is that part of why a lot of common mistakes brand make is because of that? Because they go, yes, we need to say something. And they say it, and it's just whoa, you should have waited it out. You should have just let society as a whole discuss this topic in particular. Is that one of the common mistakes? Or is it just that... PR people really want to get ahead of it? Because it seems like a lot of PR people are like, oh, we should do this because it makes us look good.
1: We want to join the conversation, feel like we should join the conversation. But reality is you should only join the conversation if you have a, a place in it. Is your brand involved in community action already? Are you making change internally? And you shouldn't step into it just to promote your brand. There's a lot of punishment (laughs) for organizations that try to step into conversations where they don't belong. However, opening the door for those types of conversations to happen, those kinds of conversations to happen, especially within your organization, is the best thing organizations can do when they're not prepared yet to take a stance because they're not quite there. And let's just talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion that's a process. That's a journey. We all have a long way to go there, but it's okay to say that it's okay to say, this is a journey we're working on, but don't go take a stance when you're not there yet.
0: Gotcha. And could this also lead into more, just let's say, the hacking and the cybercrime that goes on, especially nowadays where a lot of it has gone on. I think Experian now has been hacked twice for, or there's a vulnerability with one of their things. Should companies be worried about that and that there's like different sides of reputation? So you have the societal one, but you also have the cyber crime or cybersecurity type of reputation nowadays, since we're all online, it seems like.
1: That is one of the biggest risk, reputational risk organizations have. And the reason is that we're not used to telling people our business, right? So we're not thinking about our stakeholders, we're thinking about whether Have we done the right things to protect our organization, to protect our stakeholders? Did we communicate that correctly is where we falter. And that's where I think if we look back at a lot of companies, where their challenges have been and where they've been hit reputationally is they sat on it a while. They sat on it for six months. They sat on it for three months. It didn't come out when it should have. There are different laws in different states that require you to report to your stakeholders, but that is still very different. It depends if you've been hacked at all to require you to notify. Other states say, as long as they didn't get detailed information like social security number or driver's license, you do not have to communicate. We have this opportunity to really put in these communications plans and be ahead of the game, and but that's kind of part of our brand. If it's our brand to be authentic and be trustworthy and to have conversations with our customers and our stakeholders, then that's what we do. And that's what we should do naturally. But a lot of people think we can just get through this without anybody ever knowing. It's this hide and seek. It's a secret and we'll just hold our breath for a little bit and it'll go away. I call those people who are in reputation oblivion. and They're just got their head in the sand and they just think it'll pass over. I'll just hold my breath and we'll be okay. And in reality, eventually it all comes out and it looks like they've been hiding something. And that's just really not good for the reputation.
0: There's way too many eyes in the internet right now. So something will get out and you can't just say, we're not going to talk about it. I'm like, you got to talk about it. But (laughs) when is the right way of saying it? You could know about it, but I remember one of our guests saying that sometimes when you find out the first information, it's always worse when it comes to hacking. So should your language be for, if words matter, like you said before, saying this is what we know right now, but it could be worse or we're still looking into it or something like that because you may not really know the full extent until months, maybe even a year later.
1: And I think that really has to do with how do you put in your sub- cybersecurity communications plans and get ahead of it? Because it's not about will you be hacked? It's when will you be hacked? And so do you have insurance? Do you have all of those things? And And then how are you working with your insurance provider and lawmakers to have the right? police force, that kind of thing, FBI, justice, to make sure that you have the right plan in place to communicate when it's appropriate to communicate. And sometimes you just don't know. If you look at cybersecurity hacks, sometimes there's a silent hack that's been in there for 200 days before it's even caught. So sometimes we just don't know. The thing is to be able to communicate quickly the important information that people need to do, not to cause panic, but to be authentic and trustworthy and say, here's what we know at this time. It's what is like any other crisis. Here's what we know at this time. Here's what we're putting in place. We will update you. We will update you. We will update you.
0: Do a lot of brands actually have that type of cybersecurity crisis plan enacted? Because I feel like a lot of times they don't. And I think a lot of them are starting to wise up that, they need to. But I feel like a lot of the big hacks, they didn't have any type of crisis plan whatsoever. And they were just flying off the wheel going, I guess this is what we do.
1: I think that's one of the challenges is in the reputation business is that communication and comes in as an afterthought. We know that we're doing everything we can to protect from hacks. we communicated to our employees of how to do things. All of this stuff Is really in play and and I think most companies are very much in play there and working on that because it's just too important not to be. When does communication come into that conversation and how do we get ahead of it really depends on that reputation and how we want to protect our reputation. I call it insulation of the brand. The sooner you have these kinds of plans in place just like you're sitting here putting in the right security for your system and you're telling your employees not to click on links and all of these things, you should have a communications plan of how you're going to talk through your stakeholders at the very same time. If you do not have a communication professional sitting at the table with you when you're having those technology discussions, you're setting yourself up for a reputational risk.
0: Bring more of a little bit of current events. Recently, the CEO of Bandcamp, which is a tech company, decided to do a medium blog post of what the company was going to be talking about. And basically, he said a few things, but the biggest thing that for people was that we were going to not talk about politics at work anymore. A lot of big people left is that a good thing for culture since it seems like everybody has their own opinions about it and work is work and personal life is personal life. Is that seem to be the good direction or is that a little bit murkier than I would, I think for reputation stance.
1: I understand his thinking. Politics can be very polarizing and it has a tendency to divide us more than it brings us together. And I can see where putting a line in the sand like that feels like the right thing at the right time. But it's very hard to put a line in the sand on your employees, right? Especially with all the things that are going on. What I would prefer to see a company do is not put a line in the sand, but to try to find some commonalities with their stakeholders to try not to divide, but to bring together, because this is really a challenging place to be, and also maybe shift the conversation from politics instead of saying, we're not going to talk about politics anymore. How about we say, let's talk about some societal issues and what we as a brand can do to change those things. And when we do not feel the same and we do not have commonalities around this, how can we? have a safe space to have a conversation so that we learn from each other. And it's just as difficult to put these lines in the sand without showing some options for changing the narrative and changing the conversation.
0: Mm-hmm. And suppose that he did do that. And it just basically was the same thing. It just someone got hurt because everybody has an opinion about something right or wrong. And I'm not really trying to take sides, but once, if you do that, it still seems it's heated, I guess is the best way of saying it,
1: I guess it's a little different now that we're all virtual, right? yeah, at some point, we're tired of having zoom conversations, so <laughs> we take those conversations offline and maybe that <laughs> that's changed that uh water cooler conversation to being so heated,
0: gotcha, and the follow up question for that is that is this going to be a new trend? for CEOs looking into it, saying, look at we just want to get work done. We don't really want our reputation to suffer. We want the culture to be as open and honest as possible, but it seems every time we go down this route, somebody gets hurt, somebody lashes out, and somebody complains to HR about something and we just don't want to deal with it anymore.
1: I think we have to really look at that culture and brand and say, how does this fit within our culture and our brand? It is a challenging time for leaders, and it is almost a no-win situation. If you're silent, what does that mean? If you speak out, what does that mean? Where are your employees pulling you? At any given time, when your stakeholders are pulling too far away from where the company's going, there has to be an alignment, there has to be an adjustment. And when you're not getting work done because people are arguing and it's become a, a inappropriate, unsafe, uncomfortable, unwelcoming space, then you have to do something. That's really looking at what's deep underlying and what's underneath that. And I'm not a psychologist <laughs> and to look at that. That also means that a CEO is not a psychologist. So how do we get the right help from our HR people, from our chief people officers, from our wellness, from our communication professionals, then say, what are the canalities that we can come together and be a welcoming, collaborative organization? And in some cases, I think employees decide not to continue the conversation because it just doesn't feel right for them.
0: Gotcha. And what are going to be some of the new rules for brand reputation this year and beyond (laughs) new rules?
1: Wow. I think we've got to listen. We've got to be relatable. We've got to be open to change. Our companies have to be flexible and agile in the way that they operate. And we have to look to this next normal, not the new normal, because we're not going to be there for a while. And we have to be prepared to communicate openly and honestly and transparently with all of our stakeholders, not just our shareholders, not just our employees, not just our customers. We have to look at all of our stakeholder groups and how can we have these two-way conversations that talk about the changes that we're all going through and how do we get to our business goals through this maze of change.
0: So does that mean that brands have to figure out new ways of contacting everybody? I guess is the best way of saying it. You now have podcasts, have drop-in, drop-out audio, you have live streaming, you have video. Do they have to utilize all those specific areas or should they stick to some specific ones that they're best suited at?
1: I think it's understanding where your customers are and where they are asking you to be. Should you have gone into Clubhouse? Some brands should, some brands shouldn't. We still have brands that don't have a Facebook page because they're B2B and that's not really where their customer base, their employee base isn't there or they don't want to hear from them there. So you prioritize, you look at what's right for your brand. You look at where your stakeholders are listening and you try to eliminate the noise because that's what's so important right now is there's just a lot of noise out there and you just don't want to add to the noise. You want to be impactful in what you say and open up channels where there can be two-way conversation.
0: Gotcha. And the fun question for you, if you could start over your own business with a brand new brand culture, I guess to say, what would it be?
1: I kind of got to do that because I started my company 16 and a half years ago and we're small, but I had the opportunity to create that culture from scratch. And so I feel like we did that by saying we're, we have high-touch delivery. We solve customers' problems. We try to help people achieve their goals, that kind of stuff. We're engaged in our communities, and we have a lot of fun. But I tried to think through – I wanted to think through this as what I see in organizations and if they could restart – what they should do to restart in their cultures. And I really think it has to do with creating a culture of communication. Because as we look at over and over where pain points are for organizations and where their growth has been stunted, where they have reputational risks, it's when communication has been left to its own device. And so if companies could restart or should could see where they're having communication breakdowns at the appropriate time and change and design that communication flow internally and externally, that makes a huge difference in their ability to be effective and to move quickly and to be agile.
0: All right. Do you have any final thoughts beyond that?
1: I would like to talk about, I've talked a lot about my day job, but I also have this hat of the chair of the International Association of Business Communicators. And in that role, I've had this opportunity to visit with communication professionals and business leaders around the globe and have been working on the, a strategic plan and what the future is for communication professionals. And I feel like I've been a futurist a little bit, which is kind of fun, looking and being a student of the game of business and what that's going to look like and what communication professionals are going to need to be and how this new way of business is going to impact us. So I guess my final thoughts would be, hang on to your hat. The change that we're going through over the next three, five years is going to be breathtaking and communications is going to be essential and communication professionals must be up for the challenge and we must lead. And if you have CEOs listening, I'm going to say, communication professionals are your best friends through transformation. So bring them on your team, make them part of their team it'll make things a lot
0: easier. I think we'll be looking forward to that future, whatever it actually may be. But thanks, Bonnie, for joining PR 360 and sharing your knowledge about all the stuff that you are passionate about.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I've enjoyed the conversation.
0: And thank you for listening to PR 360. As always, please subscribe to PR 360 on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Leave a review it really does help with the rankings. Let us know how we're doing. Join us next week as we talk to another great thought leader in the PR industry. All right, guys, stay safe. Look forward to the future where communication professionals will be an important part. And see you next week. Later.